Hi, I'm Rocco Steno and welcome to Storymakers. Today we have Aaron Becker with us. Aaron is the creator of Journey, the Caldecott Honor Book uh, 2014, which was followed by Quest. And this month, the third and final book in the series, Return. Well, thanks for being here. You're so welcome. Can you tell our viewers yeah. what the uh, books are about? The Journey series is a, a wordless picture book series. So it basically tells the story of this girl's adventures, kind of like a Wizard of Oz story where she goes to another realm or, or uh, another universe through, through her imagination. And so each book sort of follows her, her adventures. Um, and so each book kind of works alone as its own story. And then there's an arc that goes through the whole trilogy. Yes. Now, I'm so glad you mentioned The uh, Wizard of Oz because when I uh, read these wordless books, I, you know, The Wizard of Oz actually did come uh, to mind. Was that in the back of your mind when you Absolutely, read Absolutely, yeah. It's a very powerful archetype for our sort of modern myths. Um, and it goes back further than The Wizard of Oz, but certainly uh, for children's literature, it's, it's, it's a good place to sort of start as a base for this type of story. Uh, there were a lot of inspirations. I kind of drew from, from every little bit that I could to make it work. There's a little moment in Journey I'll mm -hmm. show here. Yeah, please. At the very beginning, her family won't play with her, and so she goes back to her room. Now, this room is, is really influenced by, uh, can you guess which book? Well, let me think. Well, you know, it reminds me of that little boy and that Maury said that book, Where the Wild Things Are, I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. So I wanted to sort of pay homage to books like that that inspired me. Um, the idea of this framed mm -hmm. existence for a child in their room, it's a sanctuary. Um, and I think Max and Where the Wild Things Are sort of feels confined, almost like mm -hmm. it's a prison for him. Right. And loneliness for this child is, is sort of the same type of feeling. You said that you drew inspiration from many places. Now, uh, are you well-traveled? Initially, I'd say the inspiration to do a story about a journey um, just came from my love of storytelling. Mm -hmm. But when I went to look for places that inspired me that I might draw inspiration from, I thought back to my own past. And when I was uh, young, I went to Europe with my family. It was our one big vacation, mm -hmm. and we took a few weeks and went around and stayed with some families that my parents had met. And uh, we visited these castles and all these exotic locations, including one in France uh, called Mont Saint-Michel mm -hmm. on the coast of Normandy. And it's this castle, or it's really a, a, a monastery, built on an island that you can only get to at certain times of the day when the tide goes down. And so this castle on the cover that I call Palonizia mm -hmm. is really based on, it's not based on the architecture, but the feeling I had as a kid going to those places. Yeah, there's some other goodies if you want. Yeah, sure, why not? So um, this is kind of fun. At the very beginning of the book, when there's a lantern, first of all, on mm -hmm. that first page, yes. but then when we see her sitting on the stoop here, uh, a lot of people noticed later on that the boy at the end of the story was here at the very beginning all along, mm -hmm. or that the light here turns from red to green at the end of the book, or the bird is up in the sky there. But one teeny detail here is this little thing right here. Uh, it's on the top of a building. Oh, yeah. And it's a little kind of symbol that you might see on a high rise. But later on in the book, 
You see it again on the floating airship. There's a better image of it here. That dragon. Right there. Right? So in some ways, you might think that uh, it's a coincidence, or maybe it was her subconscious, her imagination in her dreamland where these things might sort of appear in different manifestations. And you have a lot of steampunk uh, influence. I sort of like that idea of something that's sort of technical but old at the same time. It combines something that feels familiar, uh, but also uh, otherworldly in some ways. And actually, speaking of the steampunk, the whole reason behind this airship being made of these pipes and large, heavy objects that maybe to a child are a bit mysterious, like how does that work, stems back to an image here in her basement. For me anyway, when I went into my basement, it was a kind of scary place. And so what better imagery to draw from for the sense of evil in this other universe than the things that we see in the basement? Right, speaking of your childhood, even at an early age, you were a person who wanted to uh, create books and you brought a few things yeah. uh, to show us. When I was a kid, I really liked to draw. I mean, mostly liked to draw spaceships blowing things up, much like a lot of kids mm -hmm. did. Um, in fact, I liked to draw so much that when I went to the library, I wasn't really interested in looking for books to read. I wanted to find books on how to draw. So one of the, the books that really uh, helped me a lot were all of Ed Emberley's books. Right, and yes, very popular still. Yeah, yeah. they're still in print. In fact, this is, in, this is one that they reissued. And in his books, if you're not familiar, it's sort of almost like uh, Lego instructions for how to draw. Mm -hmm. So one little piece at a time, one shape at a time. So even if you can't, don't feel like you can draw well, as long as you can draw a straight line or a rectangle or a circle, you can right. draw all these really cool things. And so from books like that, I started to actually make my own books. So this was one of the ones that I did. Mm -hmm. Called The Unicorn and the Castle. Right. And I would take, uh, you can sort of see, these are actually two pieces of paper taped together. Uh -huh. And on the inside are pieces of paper from my dad's office he would take home. Back then we didn't have blank paper lying around the right. house like a lot of people do now. So I would make my own blank paper and, uh, and draw and write stories. I didn't always do wordless picture books. I took it pretty seriously. In fact, as I got older, I started to... Well, that looks very sophisticated. Yeah, I did my own binding. Mm -hmm. um, so this is sixth grade. That's a very good looking bear. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, he's got a striped shirt, just like the boy. I didn't even notice that, but the boy in, in, uh, in the series, I had never noticed that. So I did my own text and my own, these are even watercolor illustrations. And at the back of the book, I even did- The author photo. That's right, because yes. everyone needs an author photo. Right, exactly. And actually, when I was looking at this book, one thing I noticed is the last page of the book is sort of just a silent moment of reflection after the story's over, which is also a common thing in, in picture books. So I think I was pretty aware of the pieces that went into a picture book. And this is the very first journey book. And what I did is, almost just like that uh, book that we were just looking at, I made my own binding, and I figured out how to sew the pages together, and made my own end papers, and printed sort of some sketches out of what I thought that the book could look like. So something that I was doing back when I was 
you know, 11 years old basically became useful for me as an adult. And you'll see that the story didn't really change very much from these initial sketches. And yeah, after seeing all of that, it's really hard to believe that you were a, a reluctant uh, reader because you always had this mm. uh, affinity for, uh, for books. I guess for me it was that my, and even now, my brain just works with imagery, with pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm, it, I can understand story better strictly from a uh, pictorial sense. And so it kind of makes sense that these books ended up being wordless. In fact, when I first started to work on Journey, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to write a wordless picture book. Those are so neat. They're so up my alley. I didn't actually think about it much. What I did is I had a piece of paper and I started drawing these pictures of what we call a dummy. So mm -hmm. basically little sketches, thumbnail sketches of what the story is going to be. And I finished those sketches and then I went back to write the words and I didn't know what to write. And then I thought about it some more and I realized, actually, the story's all there. Mm -hmm. I don't need any words. And that's how it became a wordless picture book. And that probably comes from being a kid who wasn't really, uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't interested in reading. It was hard for me, actually. Mm -hmm. It was really, it, I could read a sentence and then I'd have to reread it again and read it again. And I still I couldn't comprehend what I just mm -hmm. read. It was, it was a tough thing for me to do. So I think it makes sense for me that, that the picture is made up for that in some way. Right. Well, you know, if I could go on a journey, I would leave this uh, studio because we have a little construction uh, going on. So that is just life uh, in Tribeca in New York City. That's right. But the one thing that I immediately uh, recognized in the book is the uh, dad. This dad is uh, different in the sense that he's not at a computer, he's at a, a drafting table, so he may have had a change in careers. Yeah. But the thing is, and it's not a spoiler, what does the dad do in this right. book? Going back to the very beginning in Journey, the original rift for the girl is that her family's busy and preoccupied and, and, and won't play with her, which sort of spurns her off on this uh, trip to this other world. Uh, I wanted to resolve that. At the end of Journey, she goes there, she has a great time, she meets the purple bird and the boy and they have an adventure and she comes home and makes a friend. But what about what happens to us as kids? What about that, that real feeling of, of having busy parents? I think every kid can, mm -hmm. can relate to that. And I wanted to address that. So that's really what happens in return is that finally her dad notices that she's gone. She sort of, the, she gives up on him and leaves again to go off to Polynesia. And he sort of continues to work and then notices, wait a minute, where did she go? And he follows her down to her bedroom and notices the red door. And it's still open and he walks through. Uh, and the rest, you have to buy the book and read it, <laughs> right? Yeah, so go to your library. Earlier, we mentioned that you pay homage to various books, and I guess, was one of them Harold and the Purple Crayon? You know, actually, I get asked that a lot. In fact, a lot of people want to know if the boy in Journey, it, because he draws with a purple marker, mm -hmm. whether he's Harold. And what I always say is it's sort of, if that's what you want to believe, that's, that's right. That's what's nice about these wordless picture books is there's no right answer. It, can be, it could be Harold or it could be Jack or Henry or right. anybody. For me, that book didn't have as much influence on me as some of the other things we were talking about, like uh, Maurice Sendak, Ed Emberley, uh, and certainly film, uh, like Wizard of Oz, and those types of stories really had much more of an impact on me. But, um, they are very similar stories. In fact, when I was finished Journey, 
Someone had mentioned Harold and the Purple Crayon, and I picked up a copy, and I looked at it, and I saw that he draws a, a balloon, and he draws a boat, and he draws a door, and I thought, oh no, everyone's going to think that I, uh, I basically took this idea and ran with it. But it's nice because it's a book that means a lot to people, and I think this is almost for them, it's an updated version, like a kind of modern take on a classic. Did you go to art school? I actually went to a regular four-year college mm -hmm. with no intention of being an artist at all. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco and I worked as a graphic designer. And at some point I realized I still can't draw what's in my head and I want to be able to do that. So I went back to art school for a little while and from there I actually ended up uh, in the film industry. So just to go back a little bit in time before I went to art school, I was talking about some of the things I liked as a kid and one of the things I was really into were these. Legos, I think right? everybody knows what these are. Yes. Now there's something very important about these uh, for me is if you notice the way that these are drawn, there are these sort of this removed perspective that we call an art three-quarters perspective. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see the whole thing at once. And this got imprinted on my brain, so much so that when I started working in film, I did some stuff for quite a while, different types of animation and drawings and stuff, but I started to draw in three-quarters perspective mm -hmm. architecture. These were all home designs for a film called Mars Needs Moms, which is based on a children's book. Mm -hmm. And then I did these for... Uh, a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. Oh, right. And uh, these are also almost like Lego perspective drawings. And another one here, this was also from A Christmas Carol, an old mining town in England. So then when it came time to do Journey uh, and to do a picture book, I, I knew I loved drawing that way. Something just felt right about drawing these detailed drawings of architecture. So this is the first drawing, never before seen. Oh, okay. We like exclusives here. Okay, the first drawing of... Uh, Anything related to journey. journey. Right. So you'll see, even down in these uh, notes I wrote, simplify coloring, work larger, use light blue pen, use watercolor paper. <laughs> so this isn't even watercolor paper. This is not paper. your art director, this is you this directing, is me writing directing you. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, all these different ideas of, of things. In fact, I even write, try gouache on this. And a gouache is an opaque watercolor. And everything in Return and Journey and Quest that's bright red mm -hmm. is painted yes. in gouache. Uh -huh. So even on this very first drawing, which was inspired by some Lego brain of mine, I also was making these notes about what I saw the book becoming. Well, that's interesting. Now that uh, the trilogy is closing with uh, Return, you must be thinking about your next project. I am working on another, on many books right now. Oh, many, I, I many at the same time? All at the same time. Not because I want them to come out at the same time, but because now is a great time. I finished basically a large body of work, three, mm -hmm. a whole trilogy. So it's now, it's time to explore ideas. So I'm coming up with ideas for much older kids, for much younger kids, for about the same age range. And we'll see where the chips fall. I don't know, I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah, and we had a great time here, except for all that uh, construction outside yeah. and those beeps <laughs> that were kind of uh, driving uh, me a little crazy here. But, but thanks for being with us. We look forward to whatever the next project is. So remember, until next time, give a kid a book in any format.